DMB On Demand is a love letter written to the music of the Dave Matthews Band and the eclectic family that passionately supports them. Hello, and welcome to DMB On Demand, where we explore the music of DMB and the family therein. Take a seat, get comfortable, and welcome to the best of what's around. Welcome to DMB On Demand. Just a few notes to touch base on before we get into this week's episode. We're working on a new YouTube series for our followers that will showcase the lesser known and covers of DMB songs. A lot of these will be from the early to mid 90s, uh, found on different compilations that we've gathered over the years. Uh, these will be the songs that you're not going to hear on DMB Sirius XM radio or uh, on most major collections. So we look forward to bringing these songs. Uh, this will be a video only with custom graphics for the visual component. If you haven't seen our series uh, Drunken Man from the song Dancing Nancy's, head over to our DMB On Demand YouTube page to get an idea on what this new feature will look like. I think you'll enjoy the Drunken Man intros. Uh, these are the intros that Dave has done for Dancing Nancy's over the years. Some of my favorites are titled Strange Days. Trust Those, Cold Burn I Steal, This God Is, and Same Old Fucking Story. Do yourself a favor. Check them out. Each one is entertaining in its own right. So we've been sort of disconnected from social media over this past week as I sit and work on trying to boost the podcast in the new direction it's going to be going for our off-season. So we'll be plugging back in, so to speak, on Thursday, July 1st, as we creep towards the end of Season 3 here on the podcast. Now, I am very excited about the new content coming to our off-season as we roll out DMB Boomerang. The format will start with one topic, one lyric, and we'll let the discussion go as it may to other songs that are related, and then bring it back around for the original lyric and message to close, hence DMB Boomerang. This will be a fun way to explore how the music hits us all differently, yet the same all at once. We'll be bringing on prior guests for an update since their original episode for this feature, but we're also looking for new guests. To apply uh, to be on an episode of DMB Boomerang, simply email dmbondemand at me.com for more details. That's dmbondemand at me.com. I think that about does it for this week. Before we get to the interview, we'll take a moment to discuss some DMB history and news. We will have links to all information presented in the notes section of the episode on dmbondemand.com. Hey guys, it's Bridget again with some DMB history. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BRIHAL4457. Continuing from last episode, by the summer of 1991, they were playing at Eastern Standard with Charles Newman as their manager for a brief time. They also continued to play at fraternity functions. The last such show was at UVA at the DKE House on September 11, 1992. 
Thereafter, the band began playing a regular Tuesday night show at the popular Charlottesville club, Trax. Tapings of the show at Trax are some of the most widely shared among DMB fans. After Newman, Corinne Capshaw, owner of the Flood Zone, where the band often played, took the helm of the Dave Matthews Band. For a variety of reasons, like sensing that the band was on the verge of making it big and not wanting to have his life ruined by the grueling schedule that touring musicians often face, difficulties communicating with Matthews and maintaining the mortgage of his new home, Peter Gracer decided to leave the band and a show at Trax Nightclub on March 23, 1993, a night known as Big League Chew. On November 9, 1993, DMB released its official release, Remember Two Things, on its Bama Rags label, later re-released by RCA in 1997. Live songs on the album were recorded at Tracks in Charlottesville, Virginia, The Flood Zone in Richmond, Virginia, and The Muse Music Club on Nantucket Island. The album debuted on college charts as the highest independent entry and went on to be certified platinum by the RIAA in 2002. Tune in next week for the continuation of DMB history from DMB On Demand. Bye, guys. Each week, we have an intimate conversation with a member of the DMB family. We explore how the music of Dave Matthews Band and the deep bonds within the DMB family have shaped their life. We come to realize that while each story is unique and the family as a whole is diverse, we are sewn together by one common thread. The members of Dave Matthews Band and the people who make up the DMB family are simply people who love. We hope you enjoy this week's interview. Okay, folks, we're uh, here today talking with Wendy. Uh, Wendy is a more recent addition to the DMB family, uh, like myself. Uh, think uh, Wendy's been around now for a few years. Uh, and as you guys know, I've been a fan for a while, but I didn't go to my first show until 2019, and I didn't discover the DMB family until the end of 2019. So, and that way, we're kind of on the same page. Um, so our perspectives kind of line up on those things. It's, it's been pretty nice. I want to thank Wendy for coming on today and sitting down and taking the time to explore her life through the music. Uh, we've done this now, let's see, 10, 24 times, 24 times. And each time I record, I say it's my best recording yet, and that's <laughs> it's it's been that way since the first one. I mean, it, everything just kind of gets better and better and better. I don't know if it becomes more of a system, more easy, or it sounds better, or people are getting more comfortable talking about their lives, but um, I'm pretty excited to do this interview today. So, um, Wendy, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Take your time. You know, what you do, what's a day in the life look like for you? What do you love? What keeps you up at night? Just the whole ball of yarn. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, so, yeah, uh, a bit about me. Um, so I'm a, a homemaker, or a domestic engineer, I like to say. Basically, um, I'm, you know, a stay-at-home mom. I have a husband, uh, Paul who I adore. He and I met in college, actually, in the mid-90s. We met, um, we both volunteered to sit at a table to collect change for a local soup kitchen. So that was a really nice way to kick things off <laughs> um, for a life together of helping helping others and 
recognizing each other's interests. Um, and our son, Tommy, is 12, and he'll be 13 in June. He's in middle school, and he's been doing school from home for almost a year now with the, uh, you know, the, the pandemic. But he is headed back to school next week in person, which is really exciting. So, you know, that keeps me busy. Uh, basically, my day-to-day is just making sure that everybody has what they need for the day and for the whatever current season that we're in. Um, and I, I love it. I, I, you know, making sure that our family is just, you know, running smoothly. <laughs> and I, I really enjoy that because I, I love our family and I love uh, being together and the time that we spend together. So that's, that's great. Um, and uh, I have a bachelor's in philosophy and that has a lot to do with why I kind of see things in the world the way that I, I see them. I think I have a, a chance to, um, you know, just kind of look a little deeper, see the big picture. Um, I love, obviously I love music, uh, live music. I love learning about music. I love rock and roll history. Um, I love collecting vinyl. Um, and, uh, the other band that I follow is Counting Crows and, I've um, seen them 103 times live in four different countries, and that's been a really amazing experience. And it's interesting that a lot of the things that I adore about Counting Crows and the live music experience, I think, is going to carry over very well with um, with my newfound love of Dave Matthews Band, because... Um, you know, even though the music is different and, you know, the people are different, there's still that that core that runs through the, the love of uh, of the music and the care caring about the fans. So, um, yeah, that's basically um, my life in a nutshell at the moment. <laughs> so. Um... first question, I guess, is uh, talk about music is of all the bands in the world, there's so many, so many musicians out there. What happened to make you click onto DMB? Um, I mean, what was it that, that kind of turned that page for you and went from, if you were like me, it was when I thought of Dave Matthews band in my head, it was cargo shorts, frat bros, talking about how shitty the songs in the set list were because they were jaded. And so I just, I avoided it. And then at a certain point, something happened and it made me realize that, whoa, there's more here than what I thought. And that eventually led to this podcast. But I, So I, I say that to ask you, since you're a latecomer, what happened? What happened to turn you on to the band and from uh, being whatever they were to you before to where you're at now. That's a really good question. And it's a, a big part, I think, of why I'm, I'm here and why I'm part of the DMV family right now. Um, so yeah, you know, I, everybody had heard of Dave Matthews band since the mid nineties. I liked their music and I even went to the central park concert with a Counting Crows friend of mine um, in 2003. And 
I, I liked the music. I thought it was a great evening. It was, it was spectacular. Um, but I, I had a hard time kind of taking it all in. It was quite frankly, it was overwhelming. Uh, it was a hundred thousand people. <laughs> and, uh, this, even though we were fairly close, the stage was very small, uh, you know, being there. Um, and I, I had a hard time putting, putting it all together. And, you know, quite frankly, I was at a different point in my life and I had other things going on. Um, and, but then, you know, throughout the years you hear now and again, I'd hear about Dave Matthews band. I'm like, yeah, you know, they're, they're cool. Uh, and everything. But, uh, it wasn't until the day after the November, 2020 election, when another Counting Crows friend shared the video of Dave Matthews looking into the camera and telling us right then and right there, uh, early November, the day after the election, when the results still weren't in after the incredibly confusing and tumultuous year that 2020 was, um, you know, telling us to care about each other and look after each other. And then he sang Buffalo Springfields for what it's worth, telling people to um, stop and look around that if um, no one's right, if everybody's wrong, and there's a man with a gun over there, kind of telling us to put ourselves, put aside our differences for the moment, stop, look around, take a deep breath, have some common sense and look after each other and care about each other. Don't let whatever political divides that are between us, don't let that get in the way of what really matters. And when I saw that and when I heard that, that is the moment that I became a Dave Matthews Band fan. That is, I I just, I knew. I was like, this is incredible. This message that Dave Matthews is getting across to us is something that, I need to listen to, I need to hear more about, I need to find out more about. And oh yeah, by the way, that music that I heard in the 90s was really good. And I bet they've made good music since then. <laughs> so I went uh, deep down into a rabbit hole. And Drew, thank you so much. Uh, one of those first nights that I sat and tried to figure out where in the world to begin uh, researching and learning more about what I've missed with Dave Matthews Band, your YouTube channel was incredibly helpful for me to to start diving in to see what it was all about. And so I started learning. And this has been just since early November 2020. So it's been about five and a half months uh, that I've just literally been giving myself a crash course in watching the videos, listening to the music, the studio recordings and the live recordings. Obviously the live recordings are such an integral part of who Dave Matthews band is. And I'm loving the music and loving just the experience of hearing the music and the goosebumps that come with that. And it's, it's been really an incredible journey. And I, I know what, what's so awesome about it is it's kind of like being a kid in the candy store. Like, you know, when you're a fan of a band through the years, you get things as they trickle towards you. And 
each moment is amazing, but it's kind of like being a kid in a candy store, just being able to stand here and look around at 30 years worth of stuff. And at the same time, it's also pretty overwhelming um, to one moment be but That's exactly how I like to watch TV. I would rather sit, let a series finish airing on TV and binge watch the whole thing than have it trickle down every single week and having that agony of waiting. So I completely understand what you mean about being a kid in a candy store. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, and, and it's great. It's also kind of overwhelming um, to one minute uh, see an interview with Dave Matthews uh, from the mid nineties, like, um, you know, with MTV, um, in the mid nineties, and then 30 seconds later, click on something and see, for instance, his interview that he did, uh, in 2021, uh, that we just saw yesterday that aired, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of mind boggling, but it's also very gratifying at the same time. And so that's been fun. And I have to say, I am eternally grateful to have the Central Park concert um, recorded in such pristine quality, the audio and the video. So now I can look back and I can see what I saw that night, but from such a different perspective. And sometimes I like to pretend like I can actually remember (laughs) what I saw when I was seeing it when I watched that. So that's been a a lot of fun. Um, So, yeah, so basically it's – Dave's um, messages of unity and caring about one another that that called my attention back to Dave Matthews band and that's why I'm here and the music is wonderful too. Two things I can relate to in that story kind of like uh, link us together a little bit and this is exactly why I love doing this podcast is because all these links and connections start to show themselves and manifest as you hear people's stories. So um, you being at Central Park and you having a cover song pull you in, uh, I didn't go to shows for quite some time. Social anxiety kept me away and uh, all I could do was listen and watch uh, on YouTube you know, you listen to the live tracks and you live through this, this, this catharsis almost, but you don't see the, see the thing live. And you, it's completely different. And so one of the first things that really turned me on to the band was the Central Park concert. I wasn't lucky enough to attend, but seeing that concert on YouTube, while well, at the time I had the DVD and seeing that on DVD blew my mind. I went out and bought the CD right away and the one thing that I remember is I was a big government mule fan. So when Warren Haynes came out to shred on Cortez the Killer uh, and then Jimmy thing, it blew my mind. And so that Cortez the Killer was the cover song that kind of really cinched in my love of the band. And then sure enough, I thought I'm never going to hear this song, even if I go to 100 shows. And so I go to my first shows in 2019, three shows, The Gorge, all three nights. And sure enough... Here comes Warren Haynes out. The first show I went to, he came out and played Cortez the Killer in that cover song with Dave. And I had tears in my eyes because I never thought I'd be lucky enough to see it. And here I am right away getting it and it solidified it. So there's just another of these connections between Central Park cover songs uh, that kind of link us all all together. Uh, Do you have any songs right now that are kind of blowing your hair back? Is there 
song more than others since you're – I'm not going to ask you about your all-time favorites because I know you're still picking and choosing, which is awesome. Um, so is there any current song that kind of blows your hair back? Well, first, I, ju I just wanted to connect with you about uh, about the story that, that you just shared. That's that's really incredible, um, you know, and I'm, I'm psyched to hear that you had such a, a meaningful experience. And I think I think that's that's part of it. It's not only is it that we're all witnessing what the band is presenting to us, but we also bring everything that we have within ourselves and our lives to the experience and that's what makes for a more fully rich experience and that also um ties in with you know what songs am i really like grooving on right now um because it has to do with what what i bring to it and what happens to strike me um at any particular moment and um i have to say i really am liking why i am uh, i realize that that's a fairly fairly recent um song uh it's not necessarily recognized as a classic uh dave matthews band song but obviously it's an integral part of the history with um you know Leroy. uh and i i love the fact that it was the opener of that 2019 sacramento show that uh warehouse members got to watch and i watched with my dmb family kind of we had a, a watch party we all pressed play at eight o'clock on a particular night and we watched the show together we chatted as we watched and um that opening just like you know right right out of the gates was just so much energy and it's really incredible to you know that song about the win and the lose of of the world and like you know, things can kind of be random, uh, the way things happen. And, um, that's interesting. And another thing that I'm really, I've, I've really gone through a phase with is, um, is their cover of, uh, time of the season. Oh my gosh. The zombies cover. Uh, I happened to, to hear that it. just, yeah, totally. Um, I just, um, I heard that while I was digging, like just part of, part of the rabbit hole and just, amazing you know of course the zombies that's a great song just to begin with but uh you know to hear it to hear dave matthews band do their their take on it and to see dave at weekend on the rocks wow i mean that that just sets you up for a mood right there and um and it's interesting to see butch and buddy their different takes on the um the keyboards for that you know and and how it's changed from say 2005 to when they were doing it in 2018 again. So, yeah. So one last thought before we move on about covers, when I was a kid, the first cassette tape I was ever given was an Elton John, by my grandma and my mom, was an Elton John cassette tape and it had Rocket Man on it. And as a fan now, I would pay untold sums of money to hear Dave Matthews' solo acoustic guitar do his rendition of Rocket Man. But, um, what I really wanted to touch on with the cover songs is my mom, grew, my, my parents shaped my musical taste. My dad was into the Doors and Zeppelin and, and uh, Iron Maiden and things like that. My mom was more into Americana and so, um, and, and pop. So there was a lot of Phil Collins, but her favorite band, at least what I can recall growing up was uh, Neil Diamond. So when I first hear, heard live track six from Fenway, uh, just 
it, it blew my hair back with the Neil Diamond cover that they wow. did. Yeah, they yeah. did Sweet Caroline. Yep, Sweet Caroline. And I sent it to my mom the, the second I heard it. And she just couldn't believe that somebody else was able to do that song and stay like they did it. They nailed it. They didn't uh, They didn't try to rip it off. They gave it their own spin, but they, they nailed it. And so coming from a lifelong Neil Diamond fan, I'm, I'm sure that would mean a lot to hear the people. Because some people, they're going to shit all over covers. And I've always been one. I've never been that way. If somebody has the courage to try a cover song that they love, more power to you. Um, but the fact that they're able to nail it, just like Time of the Season and Sledgehammer and, I mean, all these songs, Watchtower, the covers they do, uh, you can tell that they pick them out selectively and they, they practice them quite a bit to have that skill set to be able to perform these covers. It's, it's quite amazing. So, um, all right. With... That being said about the current life, our current favorite song, let's talk about lyrics. Is there... Can I, sorry, can I jump in um, about covers more? Sorry, I tried to raise my hand. I don't know if it, uh, if it worked. Wait, does this... No, you're fine. There it did. Okay. Yeah, I just wasn't okay. looking. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, thank you, um, Peter Gabriel, Sledgehammer. Oh my gosh. Um, I, I saw Peter Gabriel's 1993 Secret World tour blew my mind and so when i heard the sledgehammer cover and i love how dave literally channels whether it be neil diamond peter gabriel you know all the various um singers like he just he sounds just like them like he takes on their their way of singing and it's really incredible and i i was also really encouraged early on when i learned that um I, i think i'm right that that Dave was influenced by uh, Peter Gabriel because of his, you know, WOMAD, the South Africa connection, his world music, uh, Amnesty International. And that, that's really meaningful to me too. So, yeah. Okay. So let's move right along to the lyrics. Any, uh, any lyrics more than others since you've been a fan that kind of stuck to your soul? Um, So you and me, the lyrics, and that just really speak to me. I know that there's a couple different interpretations of what that song is about, but uh, for me, it's about unity and about how, you know, when when we come together, anything is possible. And not only is anything possible, but when we come together, the sum is greater. the The whole that we create is greater than the sum of its parts. So whether it's black and white people coming together, which in the year 2021 is more crucial than ever, or, you know, if it's people of different ethnicities, ethnic backgrounds, sexual preferences, um, beliefs, genders, you name it. When we come together, we make a better us. And there's a quote that I heard from Dave, something along the lines of when we say us, we mean, and we need to mean all of us. And if there is even one person, not one group, but one person who's left out of that us, then it's not really us. And we need to work harder to bring everybody together. And so when I hear that, it is just, it's, it's amazing. Um, and it actually reminds me a little bit of, um, of Bruce Springsteen, um, 
Skin to Skin, which sounds like it's a love song about a man and a woman, but no, no, no. It's uh, it's about African American and Caucasian people coming together. Let's be friends. And his, also Bruce's song, um, If I Should Fall Behind, sounds like a love song. If you know we were dancing, and if I should fall behind, would you wait for me? But no, it's about African American people and Caucasian people, and if one group falls behind, we need to stay together and help each other and walk together hand in hand. Okay, uh, let's see. Talked about songs and lyrics. Mm-hmm. And when you say the the moment you found that you were all in, let's go over that a little bit further, actually. What was the moment where you were all in on the band? Not just casual, but when you flipped the gears and you started, you know, being a kid in the candy store and going through as much media as you can, what was the catalyst for that? The catalyst for that was, um, honestly, Seeing that video, uh, that I, I mean, I can only guess it was a late night video of, uh, Dave with his, uh, piano singing for Buffalo Springfields for what it's worth. Um, you know, that and hearing him sit like, like, you know, just all of us had been watching TV, the entire country, the entire world had been watching what was going on all of 2020. And then obviously the election coverage and, you know, people really getting divisive about, you know, left and right, like, what are we witnessing? And what's fact? What's fiction? And who's right? And who's wrong? And to hear Dave say, look after each other, like, don't fight with each other, like, look after each other, care about each other, hold each other up. And, you know, stop, take a look around, take a deep breath. And, um, you know, and and let's work together. Uh, th- that honestly, something clicked like right in that moment. And I was like, I am all in, like I'm on board. Like any, anyone who has a band who has this message at this moment is some, somebody whose band I want to follow, who I want to get into. And, and then as I just the next, over the next several days, weeks and months started getting into it, it just was like um almost like a snowball going down the hill getting bigger and bigger and more forceful more momentum that uh that's that's what happened for me and here i am like now when i every time i go in the car like that dave matthews is all i'm listening to and i have a new um i started a whole instagram profile just for my dave matthews stuff so i would stop annoying my real life friends <laughs> and uh it's it's just been a really immersive experience. Okay. So I think it's safe to say that if somebody's listening to this podcast, that there's a high probability that they're aware of and are more likely a part of the DMB family. And that's not something you just stumble into. That's a, a coordinated series of events. And it goes from Sometimes hating the band to liking the band, liking the band to seeing them live, getting hooked, seeing them live. And then they start to see this this culture that comes along with the band, this family. And those lucky enough to see it and be a part of it, 
their lives are better for it. So my question to you is, you became a fan, you seen them live, and then later on you became a fan and you digest all this. What was it that first made you aware of this DMB family underneath all this music? Well, um, so I went on to social media and I, I gravitate towards, um, Instagram, honestly, and just personally, my experience, I know everyone has different experiences with different social media, uh, and you know, you can't generalize or stereotype, but my experience with Instagram is that it's a lot more creative and, um, it's just, it's, it's a more positive vibe. I'll just put it out there. And that's not to say that, that there aren't positive vibes in Facebook and Twitter, but for me, I've always enjoyed, um, Instagram more. And so I went to Instagram and, um, started looking around, you know, just doing searches for Dave Matthews band and so on and so forth. And I found there are just a whole lot of people who really like to, uh, post things on Instagram about Dave Matthews band, which is really, really great. And, um, so I, I was looking at that and, uh, I have to say quite frankly that, um, right, right at the time I was doing that, Dave Matthews posted, um, well, Dave Matthews band, uh, whoever runs the Instagram profile, uh, put up the video of Dave, um, you know, talking about re reminding people in Georgia to vote for the Georgia Senate uh, elections. And he held up a sign, uh, Warnock Ossoff, and uh, I was cheering. And then I saw, even on even on Instagram, my little uh, peaceful Instagram, I saw fans um, who were really not happy with that and saying some really disparaging and divisive comments. And that was upsetting to me. And for a little while, I admit like that I, um, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe Dave has this message, uh, you know, about, um, caring about each other and looking after each other, but maybe none of the fans do that. And that, isn't that sad? I'm like, so maybe I just need to be a Dave Matthews band fan all on my own. <laughs> and, you know, this was as recently as late January, 2021. Uh, no, I guess it was early January, 2021, but anyway. Um, so I was like, yeah, that, that's, that's about it. But then, um, I looked at, uh, some Martin Luther King Jr. Day posts from some of the people who have since become my, uh, Dave Matthews band family, my tribe on Instagram. And they had some really, not only just like cool Martin Luther King Jr. Day posts, but like really inspiring posts. And I was like, okay, they're Dave Matthews band fans. And they feel the same way that I do about Black Lives Matter and about uh, social and racial justice issues. So maybe these people are who I want to hang with. And so I started hanging with them and it's been a blast. It's been, it's been really amazing. And what I love is that with this group of, of friends that I found that my DMB family, that, that, uh, we can switch from talking about really important causes. Um, and literally one night when Tim did a fundraiser 
um, for backline cares. I, I literally was chatting in the, in the Instagram chat with one of my DMV family friends and we challenged each other. We're like, Hey, we know that we've each already made our donation, but Hey, I triple dog dare you to run back over there to PayPal and make another donation. <laughs> and so we each did. And it was awesome. It was like positive peer pressure to donate, to make, uh, make a difference with a cause that we really cared about. And that those are the people who love Dave Matthews band music and who love to make a difference in the world when they can and help each other out. Those are the people that I, I really enjoy being with. And my life is more rich and more full for having spent time with this DMB family. And, um, you know, so as I was saying, we can flip from being um, really socially active and really caring and being really angry about injustices. And we can flip the switch and we can watch a Dave Matthews band show together and laugh at like the funny way that Dave dances and his Dave speak <laughs> and we can sing along with the songs and cheer and have fun. And, you know, we're going to meet up someday. And it's really interesting because I, I stumbled into this group of this, this family and they've welcomed me with open arms, which is really incredible. And I, it wasn't until a couple weeks in that I realized a lot of this family haven't met each other in person already. And I was amazed. I literally asked them, I was like, wait, so you guys haven't met yet? Like, I thought you all lived on the same street, the way that like you guys are so intertwined when I first walked in. And um, so the day that we do meet um, is going to be a day. Um, it's going to be incredible. And I, I, you know, and I know that we're not alone in this. I know universally, you know, everybody when they get back together with, or they meet their DMB family for the first time after this pandemic is over, we actually get to laugh and cry and hug together <laughs> and sing together at a show. It's going to be really incredible. So yeah. Um, all of that to say that, um, it, it's really meaningful when you find your DMB family tribe. And I really, uh, want to say, having said that, that, um, I, I really want to be more open to discovering the DMB families on Facebook and Twitter, because I know you're out there. Uh, and I know that you guys are not, you know, my stereotypical thought of who people on Facebook and Twitter are. <laughs> uh, I know that you also care about important issues and that you love each other and are kind to each other and would be kind to me, uh, if I, once I start, uh, hanging out with you. So, uh, that's, that's, a, a resolution that I'm going to try to accomplish. So just a note in reply to that, um, my wife and I, we travel uh, not like for fun or anything like we travel for work and we just happen to have a, a hell of a lot of fun doing it. She's a registered nurse, a traveling nurse, uh, trauma nurse and, my personal hero. I know that's cliche, but it happens to be true in the situation. And no, I can do I, I, I believe do. it, yeah. Yeah. And I can do what I do as long as I have an internet connection. So we decided before we started looking at a house and talking about kids, we could get paid while we're traveling. Let's do it. And so we did it. And we started in the northeast part of the country, up in New Hampshire. We've been to Florida, Texas, Washington, California. We're back in California now. 
and we're loving every bit of it. But one of the things that I've been so thankful for is going back to this thought you had about DMB family and being surprised that you haven't met. I know people all through the Facebook group, through my Twitter account. I know people that I've known longer than some of my actual in the real world friends and the connections are just as strong. So as we travel and we go to Florida, to Washington, to California, I'm getting to meet a handful of these people because I'm coming into their backyard and all of a sudden grabbing coffee is an easy thing to do. And I'll tell you, when you sit down with somebody, whether it's at a concert or getting coffee and you've known them through the DMB family, without fail, there is this connection already there. There's no like intro awkward phase where you're trying to figure out what did you, two new friends talk about? Like it's an instant connection and there's a familiarity with it that I haven't found anywhere else, bar none. And so it, it speaks again to the music how the music has impacted our lives and how there's a collective element to that. Uh, all right. So let's say the people coming on and listening aren't fans of the Dave Matthews band. And I'm sure there's going to be a few because, you know, the, the guests that come on here, they share it with family and friends. And at this point, family and friends might be saying it's great, but I don't get it. So if you were talking to a room full of people that were, in that arena, they don't hate the band. They just, they don't quite understand what we're talking about. What would you tell them about the DMB family? And what would you tell them before you sat them down and, and had them listen to some DMB music? Well, it's funny because th this is the situation that I find myself in um, to suddenly announce to my family and friends that, Hey, guess what? Um, after 30 years, I decided to become a Dave Matthews band fan and they're really awesome. And, um, I'm really immersed in it. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, it's kind of news, uh, to, to people. And, um, so what I, w I would tell them, uh, well, first about the DMB family is that, uh, that it's, it's a group of, of fans, uh, who, who really care about each other, who, you know, support each other, who have each other's back and who uh, laugh with you during the good times and cry with you during the sad times. And that's a really cool thing. And knowing my family and friends, they get that. <laughs> they understand how important that is. So that, that would be easy for them to, to, uh, to wrap their heads around. And um, as far as Dave Matthews band, yeah, I, I would say, okay, like, Forget what you thought you knew about uh, Dave Matthews Band, if it was something negative. <laughs> um, and remember all the good things uh, that that we loved about Dave Matthews Band, um, you know, back in, in college days in the mid-90s, at least for people my age. And, okay, so come, come to 2021 Dave Matthews Band with an open mind and an open heart and just listen to the music and really enjoy it, hear the joy in it and hear the messages that, uh, the band is getting across. Okay. And if you were talking to the same group of people and they said, throw on a song, they hadn't heard it before. What song would you throw on for them? And why that particular song? Well, it's, it's a little, uh, unusual but the first thing i would do was is to sit them down and and put them in front of uh for what it's worth 
of Buffalo Springfield. Uh, Dave Matthews doing that cover um, that I saw, the thing that clicked for me, because that is really, for me, so meaningful and such a personal and important part of why I became a fan. And it's so funny because I started laughing when I answered that because I just remember like telling my mom and my sister about, about that moment and forwarding them that video. And my mom, bless her, like she is a fan of anything that I share with her. She is right on board with, like, even if it's something that she never would personally enjoy necessarily, if it's something that I'm interested in, she takes the time and the effort to, to check it out. And, and I really love that about my mom. Um, and bless her for whatever reason, uh, that video, she had it on her phone and kept playing over and over again. And so even when she put the phone down, tried to do different things with her phone, she kept hearing Dave <laughs> with Buffalo Springfields for what it's worth. <laughs> and it, it, she's like, how do I turn this off? <laughs> and I just thought that was funny that like for whatever reason, uh, the universe just kept repeating that for her. Uh, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Okay, so look, it's kind of rough out in 2021 as it was in 2020 for a lot of people. You have people dealing with mental health issues, uh, finances, some being out of work and not knowing how they're going to put food on the table, and frankly, just overall well-being. Um, and it's a, a fair chance that some of the people listening to this are going to identify with that and they're part of our community, part of our family, and they're hurting and suffering. So I like to try to lift each other up as often as we can. So assuming that some of the people listening identify with what I just said, I'd like you to pick a song um, that they could play after this interview. Uh, pick a song that you think has a good, good message for them. Um, and maybe explain why you want them to hear this particular song. You know, it's funny because as you were uh, speaking just now, I uh, in my head popped up every day. Um, I think, yeah, uh, lift me up every day. Um, you know, and, and some days it's harder to get lifted up <laughs> uh, than others. Um, and some years are harder and some decades are harder. Um, and I think that, that, uh, you know, that particular song especially is a really great reminder, um, you know, uh, to lift each other up, uh, and to be consistent and, uh, keep, keep doing it every day. Even if, uh, even if some days are harder than others that, uh, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel and eventually things are, are going to get better. And even in our, even our, in our lowest points, I mean, I was in the middle of a pandemic, a lockdown, <laughs> and not only did I discover a new favorite band, but I discovered a whole new tribe of DMB family that I never thought that, that I would. And, um, that's not to say, Oh, you know, your bad time isn't really that bad. Get over it. Uh, what I mean to say is, Perhaps, um, perhaps there's a silver lining or a, a chance uh, to make a new fresh start sometimes in the middle of uh, 
our darkest moments. Okay, here's kind of a big question for you. Feel free to expand on it um, however you see fit. But what is your impression? What what is the DM, the music of DMV driving at? What's the underlying message of their music as a whole, in your opinion? Yeah, you know that that's a great question, and that's something that I'm coming to with fresh eyes, I think, um, as a new fan in the year 2021. Um, you know, so I'm not, I'm not coming at it as somebody who is like, well, yeah, you know, um, it's, it's all about the, you know, MTV <laughs> interviews and, uh, you know, or the TRL or the, you know, whatever it was, the, the benchmarks of success, um, that, as they were back, back in the early nineties and back when the band was younger. Um, I think that it's easier to kind of have a perspective in the year 2021 with, um, with 30 years, uh, of history to kind of really take a, a critical look and say, look, what, what's at the core. And, um, I really do think that at the core of it is, um, is a message of unity I think a message of unity, not only, you know, for people to come together to see Dave Matthews band live, but also in the music itself, um, you know, to come together to, to sing about and dance about, um, all the things that, that we go through in life that are, that are uplifting and to cry about and sing about the, the moments when we need to cry and, you know, the ups and downs of, of what life is, I think. Um, yeah. And, um, I, you know, and, and throughout it all, there's, uh, there's a message of understanding what other people are going through. Um, especially people who have come from a different background, um, than what we're familiar with and to take the time to listen and to understand, um, you know, and especially, you know, I, I, for me, part of it is, um, you know, Dave Matthews coming from South Africa and coming over here, you know, in the mid nineties when, you know, when apartheid was still happening and, you know, his perspective, his perspective on life in America, you know, and I've seen the, you know, the, the speech at Monticello that he gave to new citizens, um, you know, his perspective is a little bit more unique. Um, and it's a greater perspective as far as having, um, more, more of a understanding of what, what's going on out outside of the United States. And I think it provides a really great and unique, uh, perspective to the music and to the message. Okay, so the next question might be a little tough for you, being a newcomer, um, but I don't know. You might be able to, to piece it together, at least somewhat, hopefully. Um, usually what I ask is to pick three songs that I, I'm not quite sure how to put it. So if, if you heard the song Bartender, number 27, and number 41, then you know me. Nuts and bolts. You don't know me. 
inside and out, mind you, but nuts and bolts, you know, if you get those three songs, you get me. So what three songs do you most identify with? So the where if somebody could understand those three songs, they pretty much got an idea of who you are. Do you have any of those kind of on the top of your mind? Yes, I do, actually. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that it might not change uh, in the future. But, Absolutely. Right, yeah. Um, and I'm sure even for fans who've been fans for 30 years, it might change, uh, you know. But um, right now, I can say my my experience uh, with the music and with the DMV family, I can say three songs that sum up um, – sum me up uh i guess if that's possible um are best of what's around two-step and so right and as you can probably already have guessed that that's because those a they're amazing songs b they're all songs with the theme of um just having fun optimism about life and how you know it turns out not no matter where you are, but who you're with that really matters. And that's, that's key. I think that, um, you know, even in the middle of a lockdown in the year, 2020, 2021, um, you know, we make the best of what's around and what's around can be anything that's at our fingertips on the internet. Uh, and so that's really, really been fun. And also uh two-step celebrate because, Life is short but sweet for certain. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> that that about sums it up right there, I think, you know. Um, and um, so uh, the third one, uh, being so right, is uh, it's on every day. And it's interesting because I feel like every day is it, – it has a different – I know it was uh, produced differently, I think. Um, sorry. And I know I'm, I'm – probably fumbling a little bit, but off the top of my head, uh, I really do think that it has a, a, a different sound than the other albums. Um, and I, I, it's really unique. And I, th I've heard some people. In the more, say that, I would, I would say that that album is more leans towards rock. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and I've heard some people say that, you know, they kind of sometimes tend to, to not forget, but you know, temporarily, you know, put some of those songs aside and then when they come back to them, it's like an old friend, like a welcome old friend they haven't seen in a while. Um, yeah. And um, I, I love So Right because it's like, for me, it, it it's just, it's a song that's always there and it's, you know, it, like stay up and make some memories. I mean, that's incredible, you know, with like being out with your friends and having fun and, um, you know, tonight my dance is all about you. I mean, how amazing is that? Like, who doesn't want to hear somebody say that to them, you know? <laughs> so uh, that's that's me, like, in a nutshell. Like, I'm about the good feelings, the optimism. I mean, people tell me, like, that I'm the most optimistic person they've ever met. And I just, that's how I operate, like, on a high frequency. Like, I just, I like to see the good um, and see the fun in this situation and, and make the best of it. So yeah, that's me. So going to that album every day, some people to be frank shit all over that album. And it, it frustrates me to no end 
because look, here's one of the things that I think is really amazing about DMV is you take a look at their entire catalog from start to current day and you listen to it. What you're hearing is the evolution of a man. You have a man in his teens and 20s full of all this angst and all these questions and all this turmoil and it comes out in the music and then you're listening and all of a sudden there's so much love and joy and happiness of a man who just found love and is trying to figure out his way in the world. And then the songs kind of look back on his life and it's a man who's having kids and getting older and wondering what the planet's going to look like for them. And then lately what you have is you have a man who is almost freaking out saying we have got to do better. We have got to do better, if not for ourselves, for the people coming behind us, wake up. And seeing that evolution of a man over all these years, to me, there is no bad album. That'd be like saying you were a horrible person during this time in your life. No, it's reflecting what's going on in his life and you're seeing evolution. And just to zoom back and look at that and then listen to the music again with that in mind, I think people would have a much deeper appreciation for these albums that they go and they they don't like. I'm not saying you have to like everything. That's not what I'm saying. People are going to like and not like different things and the same things. It doesn't matter. But don't go out of your way to actively shit all over an album for no other reason than the fact that you just don't like the sound and you can't zoom out and see that it's part of a, it's one piece in a puzzle of a bigger picture. In uh, every day, it's a, it's a fine album. Uh, like you said, I might forget about it from time to time and come back around to it. I'm, I'm sorry. I was going to uh, do a bonus episode on Patreon when I started and I was going to talk about this very topic about the favoritism in albums and what we're missing in the bigger picture, but your comment on the album kind of spurred it. So we're gonna, I'm just going to go into it now. Uh, I think you're right on point um, with, with everything. Um, all right, so let's let's get away from my my rant. I digress. Oh well, can I just say something? Sorry, I raised my yeah. hand. I'm not sure if you saw, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, you you know, uh, Drew, can I just tell you that um, okay, and you know whether you're going to keep this in or edit it out, um, that um, honestly, that's you know, I've never seen anyone on Instagram that I hang out with, Dave Matthews band wise no one's ever shit on a Dave Matthews band album. Like we just don't do that. <laughs> and um, I don't mean to sound like holier than thou or like that. We're no, perfect. no, it's, it's more so the quote unquote hardcore fans that, that get into all these forums like Ants Marching and Ants Marching is awesome. I love it, but that's where you find a lot of it. A lot of these long-term quote unquote super fans that yeah, well, are you a super fan or a hardcore fan if you're like right this band is done right i mean right, exactly. obviously it's like they're so called like they call themselves that not that anyone else would call them that right. but but yeah. yeah no that and that that's the thing and that's social media in general like and it's a very fine line um there's negativity and there's positivity and somehow i just have to find my way to um to a positive place and you know, and that's, um, I think that's, you know, yeah, in, in, in general. And, um, I, I think that, um, 
you know, I want to say this as diplomatically as possible, that um, I had a preconceived mo- notion and and that was wrong of me. Um, and I admit it, but I, I had a, a certain idea of who and what a Dave Matthews band fan was. And, um, but then I, you know, so I kind of just didn't spend a whole lot of time on it. And then when, when it finally came at me with that, uh, for what it's worth video, um, and I just couldn't run from it anymore. Um, I had to put in perspective and somehow find a way to, make it work for me, make it so that, and, and even when I saw Dave hold up the Warnock awesome uh, sign, you know, and I was discouraged by what people had to say, I, I still didn't give up and I had to find a way that to make it work. And, and I found a way, I found a, a group uh, that I can hang with and not have the negativity, not that people don't have bad days and not that everything's perfect, but um, I, you know, I, I yeah, I, I can't uh, be with people who are going to trash an entire album all the time. That's not good. <laughs> um, and also, sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> First of all, sorry. And by saying that, I don't mean to be negative. Um, and I hope that I don't come across that way. Um, and also about that album, Hi, Angel. Like, that's an incredible song. Mm-hmm. And to see Dave Matthews Band perform it live with Bella and the Flectones, oh my gosh, like, whoa, like, mind-blowing, um, and that's, like, right there on this album, and, um, along with, um, you know, what you are every day when the world ends, and then the, the so cheeky I did it, and that video for I did it, like, what do you make of that, like, how do you put that into perspective with, uh, with everything else, is my question to you. Oh, I mean, are you asking me what my thoughts are about the album as a whole compared to the other albums? I'm um, well, uh, that, but more specifically, what do you make of the song "I Did It"? Like, oh, I've yeah, read okay. theories that people like think that Dave did that as a kind of a, a joke. Uh, what What do you think about that? Well, if I remember right, it was around the time that that. Bush Jr. sent us over to Iraq. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was around the same time. And I always wondered if it was a, a commentary on what we were doing over there. But visually being a graphic designer, that's one song I've always loved because there's this line. And I've created a few things with it that I really enjoy. Um, but it's make a bomb of love, blow it up. And visually, that is just a very visceral kind of uh, image. Make a bomb yeah. of love, blow it up. And... I mean, if you can take one message from the song and it is make a bomb of love and blow it up, you can do much worse. Um, but I could be wrong, but I feel if I remember right, when it came out, my thoughts were that it was a commentary on the foolishness of getting us into the war with Iraq. But don't quote me on that. No, and I think didn't I see wasn't it part of the video that um no, I'm sorry. I'm confusing. Yeah. A 30 year crash course in five months of Dave Matthews band makes me, um, confuse things sometimes. Um, but at some point I no. Okay. Let's, let's move on because I'm, I'm wrong. Forget it. <laughs> I thought I saw something like a picture of Bush or something in a video or something. It was W somewhere I saw. Anyway. 
I think a, a part of that song too is um, it's a nickel or a dime for what I've done. The truth is that I don't really care. I like that line too. You know, somebody that's passionate about something, you're going to run into resistance and you can expect resistance, but if something you're passionate about, you got to push through that existence. So whether it's a nickel or a dime for what you've done, the truth is that you don't really care. Yeah, I mean, more likely than not, you're pretty passionate about that and that should be cradled and held and, and groomed into something, something big. But uh, I couldn't find, I want to look up real quick. Um, I'm still looking right now if I can find the year that that song came out. Um, so I'm pretty sure, let me look real quick. It came out, yep, it came out in 2001. So yeah, I think that's, isn't that when we were in Iraq? Um, yeah, I mean, after September 11th, uh, yeah. I think we went over, um, yeah. <laughs> yep. yep. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I digress a lot. I was starting to look at some dates and yeah, it was, it was in 20, let's see. Yep. 2001 that we were over there. So that, that made me, so well, it started in 2002, I believe. Anyway, the song lines up where it could be a commentary about, about that invasion. But like I said, I, don't, don't quote me. But all right, so we've talked about music. We've talked about family, DMB family, um, some lyrics, and kind of let the conversation drift, which was nice. I, I, I love when these interviews kind of drift and it's not like question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. Uh, that's just not what I want. Um, so we've just discussed all these other topics. Let's kind of flip everything on its head and. I would like to know if you were given a few minutes in a room alone with DMB, what would you say? Now, here's the thing. Everybody that comes on this show says the obvious answer, at least for the most part, and it's thank you. So I'm going to say this. I'm going to make it a little more challenging. What would you tell them, assuming that they already know your gratitude? There's no reason to go into a long, in-depth thank you. Just assume they already know the gratitude now. What would you tell them? That's a really good question. Um, you know what I would tell Dave Matthews actually? If okay, so if I if I if I had to do the opposite, see what okay, so obviously the the usual desire uh and uh tendency to do would be to thank the band and express gratitude and listen because honestly i i have seen a couple a couple videos of people meeting dave matthews and the people are so nervous and i understand that i understand it who knows what how i would feel in the presence of dave matthews band but people are so eager to like talk and say what they want to say to him and it's like i would just want to listen but okay so if i couldn't listen i couldn't say thank you i would say that um that Dave Matthews, I went to college in the early nineties, uh, with James Vanderbeek, who <laughs> went on to become Dawson of Dawson's Creek. And right. And this was right before he was Dawson. And, um, he was in, uh, Drew University's acapella group, 36 Madison Avenue. And he sang lead on Ants Marching, and it does not get any more 1990s than James Vanderbeek. Oh, my. Yeah. Ants Marching. <laughs> and shout out to James Vanderbeek. I know you're not ever going to hear this, but uh, 
those were amazing years <laughs> those were really fun years uh, so you know if i had to come up with one thing to say to dave matthews that no one else uh has probably said to him that would be it um and as far as the band goes and by the way i am someone who is very much not just like a Dave Matthews person, but I recognize that there is an entire band of very talented individuals. Same with Counting Crows. A lot of people refer to Counting Crows as, oh, he sang this song at that show. I'm like, wait a minute. There are seven people, very talented people on that stage singing um, and performing music. But anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I, um, I did Carter Smile. I would be like, Carter, you are also an optimist, like I am, obviously, from your smile. And, um, you know, I would tell Carter, like, if there was a way to bottle that smile and bottle that energy and optimism, <laughs> that he should do it because it's really, it's incredible. And it's a, a really amazing thing to, to see. And Buddy, oh, my gosh, Buddy, the energy, the energy. Like, um, Absolutely. Yeah, I would, I would definitely um, – you know, but if I'm not allowed to say thank you, <laughs> uh, I would just be like you with your energy. Keep that up because it's it's something amazing. And Jeff, like what's up with Jeff when Jeff is able to blow two horns at once? Oh, I mean, man, that's yeah. incredible. I would I, I know I would ask him <laughs> to give me a lesson like how right. like. You know, in, in my five minutes with with the band, could you please give me a lesson on how to how to do that? And did you ever Rashawn, listen to him? Did you ever listen to Jeff when he was playing with the Flecktones? Unfortunately, I haven't yet. So tell me what. Tell me, point me in the direction. What should I listen to first? Yeah. So uh, Big Country is what I'd start with. Um, I have a few songs that I'd actually have you start with. What I'll do is I'll send them to you when we're off the air. And then in case anybody's curious about it, it's listening to this in the show notes. I'll also include a couple of links to some really good videos of Jeff Coffin when he was great, with Bela Fleck and the Fleck Tones. Super. That's, that's great. Um, I appreciate that. And I will check it out because everyone in the band is so talented and Tim Reynolds. Hi. I only just saw, I was today years old practically when I first saw Tim Reynolds play solo because of those backline cares uh, fundraisers that he just did. Talk about mind blowing. And this is like, I mean, just real, I mean, like by any standards, he's amazing. And then you put him on the stage with Dave Matthews band and like the way that they just all play off each other is Mm -hmm. amazing same with Rashawn and the Fonz like just like incredible incredible stuff and I really like and you know Rashawn really like to see him play and to see what he brings is really something special um and Fonz is bass playing and the way that the fact that he was 16 years old was a prodigy and came at this that's that's really incredible. I mean, this has been pretty much his lifetime. Yeah. You know, it's been his entire life. Yeah. His entire life. Um, yeah. It's really wild. It, you know, how, I mean, this how a kid goes from how a kid goes from middle school to high school and halfway to high school, becoming part of this band and then going on that venture. That is, that is one story that before I die, I will hear. I don't care if I'm the one asking about it or somebody else is, but before I die, I'm going to hear the story how a 16-year-old kid went from life beforehand to this 
and without skipping a beat and always been around with the band, never fell out, nothing like that, just went on to this huge, crazy life. Uh, I will hear that story one way or another. It's, it's got to be a captivating one. Definitely. Yeah, no. And, and when you hear it, share it with the rest of us. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. So the next segment is pretty much yours and yours alone. You can, um, any other thoughts that you had while we, while we had our interview, feel free to, to throw them out now. If you have any charities or organizations that you'd like to plug, you think people should know about, please do so. Um, if you want to talk about the music a little bit more, that's fine too. Just the stage is yours. Take your time, take as much as you want. And there you go. Well, I appreciate having the opportunity. Uh, thank you. Um, and I, I wanted to say thank you very much for, for, you know, this interview for this time together, um, for us to talk about, about like really to talk about the various aspects of Dave Matthews band, the music and the fans and the family. Um, thank you, Drew, for, for your site and all the services and what you, what you do and what you put on YouTube. I mean, it's really, it's incredible. And it really, it's a positive contribution to the Dave Matthews band community. And that's really meaningful. So thank you. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really psyched. I'm psyched to be here. Uh, it took me 30 years to show up, but I showed up and, <laughs> and I'm here and I'm here for it and here in a big way. And I'm experiencing it with other fans who, who really get it. And my life is richer for it. And that's, that's really special. Um, so as far as, uh, you know, other like kind of shout outs that I want to make, um, Matt Susich is an up and coming singer songwriter and he, um, is based in the New York area. Uh, but he tours, uh, throughout the country and, um, he, his website is mattsusage.com and I'm um I'm gonna spell that. It's M-A-T-T-S-U-C-I-C-H dot com. And hopefully we can write this out for people to see it. Um and uh his music is really incredible. He's got a brand new LP out called Don't Be So Hard on Yourself. And Adam Duritz, lead singer for Counting Crows, sings background vocals on a couple songs. And it's just really incredible. And what Matt is all about is is really something special. So just wanted to bring everyone's attention to Matt. And um, also another organization that I'm really uh, interested in is called the Episcopal Public Policy Network. And um, that's a grassroots organization. Um, and basically it's it connects with people uh, in the government uh, who are making policy and making the legislature uh, as a, as a way to connect um, based upon, you know, the, you know, kind of the, the things that are most important to us as Episcopalians. I know, you know, there's a stereotype out there that says that like, um, you know, all Christians are conservative or right wing or whatever, but actually, um, Episcopalians in general are the exception to the rule, and there's a lot of um, social justice uh, issues that we care a lot about. And the Episcopal, Episcopal Public Policy Network, uh, you can sign up for their action, 
action alerts and they send you emails about issues that are currently being voted on in uh, in Congress and you simply enter in your name and your zip code and it sets you up with a template to send an email to your elected official about uh, about these issues and get a chance to say what you feel about them and and that's really empowering and really important I think so so I like that. And um, another thing is uh, Counting Crows, uh, another amazing band that uh, people are probably already aware of, but just wanted to draw everyone's attention to how amazing they are. And they have a new uh, EP, actually, a, a four-song suite uh, that they're four songs that run, run together, uh, brand new music that's due out. The most recent date I've heard for that coming out is – May 21st, and it's going to be called Butter Miracle. So uh, it's interesting. And Adam Duritz has shaved his dreadlocks. So everybody should show up for, oh, for wow, that. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know he shaved his dreadlocks. He shaved huh. his dreadlocks. And I'm, I'm a huge fan. I have to say, like, I'm a big fan of of being who you are and in the year 2021. And uh, him shaving his head is uh, – quite a thing to behold and he also does a lot of great cooking videos on instagram so and by he i mean just adam duritz it's not the whole band doing the cooking videos so um so definitely check that out those are some things that i wanted to draw everybody's attention to and um i just wanted to say a a shout out to my dmb family you guys know who you are you make wednesdays uh as amazing as they are and I love all you guys and shout out to all the amazing DMB family that I haven't met yet. Uh, I, I'm glad that you're out there. I'm glad that we're listening to the same music and caring about the same things. And I look forward to meeting you in the future. So yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. And could you tell folks out there how to find you um, on social media? Where can they go to follow you? Oh, yeah. Um, You can find me on social media on Instagram. Instagram is the place to reach me because I don't often check Facebook or Twitter. Um, uh, It's Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, 007-D-M-B on Instagram is my name. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the final segment for today, The Way I Heard It. We know there is such diversity within the DMB family, or community, and for this reason alone, there will be differences in how we all interpret the music and the lyrics. Each week, we select a song and ask several fans to break down the song the way they heard it. Take a listen. Perhaps you would have heard the song in the same way, or perhaps you'll find a new appreciation of the song discussed. Enjoy! Hi everyone, I'm Jesse. You might remember me from the very first episode of the DMB On Demand podcast. It was last spring, just before COVID hit. I was still a college student at the time, and I discussed how excited I was to be discovering my passion for the work I was going into, which involved public service and helping earn funding for really important community organizations. 
Back then, I had no idea how the next year would go. I didn't realize it would slowly go sour the way it has, as I'm sure many college students experiencing the post-university blues can attest to. Over the past year, my career experience has slowly descended from youthful excitement to agonizing day-to-day survival. So it's very fitting for me to make my return to the podcast covering a song that perfectly describes how I'm feeling right now. Join me as we take a deep dive into The Last Stop. There are two Dave Matthews Band songs that I have always turned to when I'm feeling angry but can't find the words to express myself, Shotgun and The Last Stop. There's something about The Last Stop that has always made my anger feel justified. Whether it's a bad day at work or a sudden mood shift that leaves me wondering where my happiness fled to, The Last Stop validates my emotions. If I could only put it into words, I guess I would say, the song is angry, so I no longer need to be. On the surface, in my view, the song speaks to frustration with conflict in the world. It forms a perfect parallel with the conflict currently going on in Israel and Palestine. How is this hate so deep to lead us all so blindly killing, killing? I can hear Dave's frustration with international conflict in his lyrics. Before These Crowded Streets is an album that addresses very complicated themes, and Dave has always been outspoken about being anti-war, so it's no surprise that he wouldn't shy away from revealing his feelings about the hatred and death we see on the 6 o'clock news every night. He even goes so far as to interject himself and take a stand against it with the lyrics, Is war the only way to peace? Well, I don't fall for that. When you watch the news and see stories of children wounded in war, you can't help but agree with the lyrics, A mother's cry, is hate so deep? Must my baby's bones this hungry fire feed? That's Dave using his classic sentence reversal method to say, Must my child's death fuel the fire of further hatred? There are so many international conflicts that this song fits. I often think of the Berlin Wall when I hear, hate is always blowing up, but I hope that we can break it down so it's not so black and white. As someone who was born in 1998, the entire concept of the Berlin Wall's existence feels so ancient to me, and yet it only fell 32 years ago. The Vietnam War feels so far back in our nation's history for me, but for many listening to this podcast, I'm sure you have memories of growing up or living through that time. War is still constantly around us, no matter how large scale it is, and that's such a frustrating thing to think about. That thought process leads us to understand Dave's motivation behind the song. We're all frustrated with the way things are going, and it brings me comfort to know that others feel the same. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the last stop reprise. Believe it or not, coming from someone in their early 20s, I actually discovered the reprise by listening to a cassette tape version of Before These Crowded Streets. I'd always switch songs too quickly after listening to Spoon on my iPod, as we tend to not hang around after the song when we were able to switch to another one without having to rewind anything. I was letting my cassette version play to the end, waiting for that satisfying click to tell me it was done, when a new song suddenly began to play out of the silence, a song with very few lyrics, yet as powerful as any other on that album. Come in from the cold for a while, everything will be alright. Come in from the noise for a time, everything will be alright. For now, goodbye. Friend, goodbye. Hearing this was the first time in my musical journey that an album actually gave me a goodbye greeting. It made it feel so physical for me. The full album comes full circle when Pantala Nagapampa invites you to come and relax now, and then the last stop reprise wishes you a hearty goodbye. 
This album has so much heart to it, and it's always felt really special to me. The last stop reprise, when played as part of the original song live in concert, is like an out-of-body experience for me listening to it. You have a full two to three minutes of nothing but instrumental after the lyrics where the bubble of hatred that Dave just sang about grows to a boiling point, and you begin to think it may never end. But then, in comes this sweet-sounding violin, playing a very simple, yet incredibly sophisticated repeating tone. It's music to my ears every time I hear it, and it truly broke my heart to hear that they were playing the song without that extended outro in recent years. For me, when I hear that violin, all the anger I'd been feeling washes away, and I'm able to bask in the glow of sweet rhythm. The polarity between the outro of the last stop and the first eight minutes, to me, speaks to the incredible power of every member of DMB. While this song has always been a way for me to express my anger, it is still an incredibly important piece of music that represents many different chapters in my life, and I will never get tired of hearing how the band is able to mix it up at different concerts to draw a new experience every single time. Speaking of live music, here are a few live releases of The Last Stop that I highly recommend you check out. Live in Chicago. This is one of my favorite versions of The Last Stop because it nails the reprise so well. At one point, you can see Dave gazing up at the ceiling in an almost hypnotic trance while the outro begins to segue into the reprise. It's phenomenal and I highly recommend. Live Tracks 1. This Last Stop reprise implements some really interesting sounds that I haven't heard repeated in any other live release of the song. It kicks in right at the 14 minutes and 15 seconds mark. Yes, I have that memorized, because I've listened to it so many times. If I were more educated with musical instruments, I would be able to describe it better. But I believe it's Tim Reynolds getting fancy with his guitar, and adding some elements over Boyd's usual tones. The result is an almost alien-sounding effect that truly adds so much depth to this performance, and I highly recommend you check it out. Live at Wrigley Field. This one is special because of Carter Beaufort. The man absolutely shreds on the drums in this. It's like his drums were covered in spiders, and he was just going crazy trying to kill them. It starts at the 6 minute 40 second mark, and it will blow your mind. Well, now I've assigned you some homework. Hop on YouTube, pull up those live versions, and enjoy! Thank you for listening! We want to give a special thanks to our guests and co-contributors for this episode of the podcast. Without your valuable contributions, we wouldn't be able to continue. We hope that you've enjoyed our deep dive into the music of DMB and the community that supports them. You can find us on all social media platforms by searching DMB On Demand. Visit us on dmbondemand.com for DMB-related merch and to learn more about DMB On Demand. Until next time, don't burn the day away.